you're looking for one of the most beautiful and playable custom acoustics on the planet, look no further than Ed Rice at Toeir Guitars. Ed is a true artist, transforming exotic woods into magnificent, sweet-sounding instruments. Go to toeirguitars.us, that's T-O-I-R-G-U-I-T-A-R-S.us, and contact Ed today. Hey everybody, Brad and I want to say thank you for listening and thank you for the support. Please continue to listen and share this podcast on all platforms that you can. And if you'd like to support us monthly, we're set up now where you can go to anchor.fm slash Recording, hit the support button, 99 cents, $4.99 or $9.99 per month. Any amount would be greatly appreciated. Now back to the podcast. Recording podcast episode 99. 99. 99. 99. Almost 99. on 100, man. What's going on, Neil? Uh, not much, man. How are you doing? We got great guests here yeah. tonight. We've got Villamure, yes. Colin, and Kendra Lemure. And you guys barely missed me in episode 100. Wow. If we had known <laughs> what was at stake, we would have come up with an excuse to push it off one more week. <laughs> We're thrilled to have you guys in here, so thanks for coming. Yeah, thank, thank you. And Neil and I will be drinking a little Wait, bit of... we should of, even uh, say braved the snow. Drove a, I mean, yeah, it was yeah. clear enough, but still. Yeah, the, the hill was clear, right? right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's a daunting task when the hill's not clear. <laughs> Believe me. So we're fortunate to have the uh, emergency response radio tower on top of the hill. So it's like the first r- road in Louisville to get plowed. It wasn't a few weeks ago. I had an issue. <laughs> <laughs> first so, snow is always like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. They're caught up now. We're good. Bullet rye. Bullet rye. Cheers. Cheers, man. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Tink. Tink, tink. Thank you. <laughs> Phantom tinks. And the, the Lemures are partaking of water tonight. It is a Monday. Hydrating. Mm. Hydrate or dehydrate. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't you guys start us off? Why don't you take us back to childhood even and uh, tell us your early memories of music. And then we'll lead into where you guys realized music was going to be a big part of your life. How's that sound? That sounds good. You All can right. start. You first. Start. <laughs> okay. All right, yeah. I'm usually more short and sweet, and he's usually the long-winded one, so (laughs) I I will start off. So um, my earliest musical memory, I think, was taking piano lessons from my grandma. So I I didn't really go very far with it, though. But she basically taught me, you know, I guess when you're... I was probably like four or five, Mm -hmm. and I guess, you know, laying out the musical scale in front of you probably shapes a little bit of your... You know, mentally, like seeing how music kind of works a little bit. Ah, I've never heard that or thought about that until right now. Have you? Have no. Visited? Are, are you speaking of, people, of the way the keyboard's laid just, out? Just yeah. About, yeah, it's visually yeah, just yeah. here's the lower notes, here's the highest notes. You know, it's all there, all the octaves that goes all yeah, the way across. Yeah, and the repetition, you actually, visual, you know, that is wild because we talk, a lot of people come in that have started playing piano early, just talk about playing piano early. They've never stated it like that, but that's so, that's such a visually cool concept, just seeing it in my head right now. And it reminds <laughs> me of something that, I'm, I'm not going to name any names because it's a person in my family uh-huh. that I love dearly, but we were at a keyboard one time and just the general idea of hearing a note and knowing, is that to my right on the keyboard or is that next note to my left on the keyboard? And that person couldn't do that. Really? Yeah. Couldn't, like, is this note higher or lower than the one I'm currently wow. listening to? Really? Yeah. They did not sit in front of a piano when they were a kid. No. no. <laughs> but that is, that's a cool, that's a cool way to put it. I've just never heard it like that. Sorry to interrupt. Thanks. No, I think it's also because I've always been a, like, physical visual artist. So mm. I tie, like, the visual and the uh, musical type of arts together a lot, okay. I guess. So, um, so that's really where it all started, I guess. But I never really got into music as much until, I mean, when I was, 
when I was in grade school, I, I wanted to be like a singer, you know, I was like, oh yeah, I want to sing. And I would just kind of like at recess, like sing with my friends or, and stuff like we were in, pretending we're in a band or something. Um, but I never really thought I would actually, I guess, sing, you know, sing and write music at that point. But, um, and then, you know, it just uh, went to my sister. That's where it, that's where I really started getting interested in it huh. is, um, my older sister started playing guitar and I thought she was super cool. And How I much older? To, she's two and a half years older than me. Okay, two and a half. All right. So, you know, I wanted to do everything she was doing. So I was like, oh, I want to do that too. That's so cool that you can play. <laughs> and I, I remember hearing her like playing. Um, she had like this Washburn electric um, and she was learning to play tabs just by herself. She was just learning and she was playing Hell's Bells. Just that uh, riff. Really? Like, nah, 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 nah. And I was like, whoa, it like blew my mind. I was like, holy cow, how did you? Yeah, so I would sneak into her room and I would take, she was also like a black belt in Taekwondo. So she was terrifying. So I'd sneak, I'd sneak into her room like when she wasn't there and try to play her guitar. <laughs> so uh, put it back the same way, no fingerprints, wipe it yeah. down. I didn't do nothing. Yeah, so uh, I think just like, you know, with siblings, eventually I got really into it and wanted to start taking lessons. And she was like, oh, that's your thing now. That's not cool. So she stopped playing. Uh -huh. But I started playing and then it, I took it from there, I guess. Um, so I'm kind of sad it turned her off to playing, I guess. But, you hey, know. Yeah. Did, did you get the guitar? That's all that matters. Did the guitar end up in your hands? Yes, it did. There you go. <laughs> so, but you, uh, you seeked out actually taking lessons you you dug it immediately yes i did and it was really i had to like convince my parents to let me um but one of my friends in school i went to a catholic school and one of my friends was taking guitar lessons and i was like she is and they really liked that friend so they're uh. like oh okay well she is then i guess you can too <laughs> so what, what, what were you listening to when you started taking guitar lessons hills bills i was listening to a lot of yeah like acdc metallica was really the biggest thing that okay. got, actually <laughs> got me and also my brother, he'd start taking bass guitar at the same time. Right. So me and my little brother, we... Oh, cool. You know what? Metallica should get credit for a ton of musicians starting to play guitar. And ACDC. And ACDC. They're all so accessible to play. Yeah. When you can only... Bam, 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 bam. Or, you know, the hell's... I wonder if they realize that. Oh, well. They have to. Well, they, they have to. Know. Have to. They have to know. I mean, come yeah. on, yeah. dude. Everybody that picks up a guitar for the first time plays Nothing Else Matters or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> right. So were you a quick learner, Kendra? Um, I I feel I think so. I just kind of got, you know, really into it, really obsessive. And I would just sit and practice for hours and hours. And um, I think like my third or fourth guitar lesson, my teacher was showing me to the other teachers because I, I learned to play the solo to um, Highway to Hell. And I, I like learned that solo like as close as I could possibly get it. Like, cause I was just so obsessed when I first Three started lessons. learning. So that's wild. But yeah. Um, so you said you had like a, a visual tendency toward learning. Did you learn like in patterns and scales more or? Sort of. It was also a lot of learning by ear and really like, um, well, my teacher, he kind of taught me like by song. My first teacher, he didn't teach me so much like here are all the mm -hmm. scales, but I kind of had that upbringing uh, with like the piano. And then I was also in like band. I played like clarinet, Okay, but I wasn't like really attached to that. But I, I kind of knew the but way. But you got the, the education yes. part of that. That's huge. Yeah. It's huge. Well, Colin, let's hear from from you, and then then we'll get into uh, how we got here with Villa Muir. My story's not nearly as good. <laughs> <laughs> I said I was I wasn't the long way to <laughs> you know. I'll, I'll, uh, no, really, it's it's super lame. I uh, whenever I was I started playing guitar whenever I was nine, and it was because all I did was play video games. And my dad was kind of mad about that. And he wanted me to get into something else. Like he wanted me to get into a sport or something, you know, he just wanted me to start doing something else. But I figured that like guitar had to be like the most like low 
amount of time invested <laughs> for an extracurricular activity. If you was, only knew. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was just like, oh, all, all I have to do, that'll be in my room. And if I, you know, like that'll get dad off my back and then go back to playing Super Smash Brothers or whatever. <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, I, that's, that is totally why I picked it up. But then um, my teacher, my parents got me a teacher because they, you know, they didn't want me to just bang on the fucking thing and like, <laughs> like just make noise. They wanted me to actually like know enough to where they could be like, look, our son learned something, I guess, or whatever. <laughs> and they sent me to uh, a guy um, named Michael Sanders and he was 15. Um, and he was also a child. 15 <laughs> so, years old. 15 yeah, year old teacher. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was, he was basically like big within that big brother age to mm-hmm. me. And like, on one hand, like he had no interest in like, proper education so he was like mom wanted him to teach me like how to read music and stuff and he wouldn't do that he was just like nah we're just gonna learn like three chords and you're gonna learn how to play a song and it's gonna be a song that I like because you know I'm the grown up here and <laughs> and then uh, and then after like a while like I had really bad ADD <laughs> like for for a kid like you couldn't keep my attention for more than a couple minutes. So like usually he would like try to teach me for like the first few minutes of the lesson. And then he'd be like, so do you want to play Nintendo 64? And I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I didn't accomplish shit for like the first <laughs> like four years of playing guitar. But then I don't know, suddenly, uh, suddenly at like 13 years old, it's just like, I don't know. You suddenly start paying attention to the radio and like what you're hearing, and uh, just out of nowhere, like I got I I got this real significant interest in. Um, I think it was like I came upon a few bands that I liked, like The Offspring and Green Day and Nirvana stuff that was kind of uh, that kind of sounded cool, mm-hmm. and uh, also coincidentally is like the easiest music to play in the entire <laughs> world, and. Uh, and, and I don't know, like once I got that like positive feedback of like hearing a song and then being able to very quickly replicate it because they're all like three power chords or whatever. Um, that's like kind of a really cool rush whenever it's just like you hear a guy who made like a million bucks doing something and you know that you too can do that very thing. Oh yeah. It kind of, it's kind of empowering, especially for like, you know, a 13 year old who doesn't have any idea what to do with himself and is just discovering uh, that the world sucks. So um, <laughs> That's the age you find out. <laughs> yeah, you're just like, oh, wow. <laughs> this isn't going to get better. Um, so uh, I don't know. So I, so after 13, like I went from just barely being interested in music to just shutting myself in my room and like listening to entire albums. Like I would listen to uh, Green Day's uh, Dookie. Dookie, and, man. And, uh, and Nirvana had a... Uh, a collection that they put out uh, after Kurt passed. And I knew like every song on both of those albums. So I would just like put them on and play along to them like 10 times a day um, with my stereo up and everything and uh, just not come out of my room. And uh, I don't know, I've kind of been doing that ever since in a way. But now they let me do it in public sometimes. (laughs) Very, uh, very cool. You know, it's funny, man. I'm definitely older than you. And those... Those bands were the bands that my first CDs that I owned, and it was CDs, uh, <laughs> were those. And that's what got, I was locked in a room as a 13-year-old kid playing those. That was the same music that I yeah. grew up yeah. learning how to play guitar on. And I think that is kind of the same what you were saying. It's just super accessible. You know, if you can play a bar chord, you can play everything on every one of those records. Yeah. You might not be able to play the intricate stuff and the solos, you know, unless you get obsessed. Uh, but yeah, man, the accessibility of an Offspring track or a Nirvana track gives you that that confidence, man. You hear yourself play the four chords on Teen Spirit. You're like, dude, I can do it. Yeah. Yeah. I just did that. You know, I thought, you know, because whenever you first hear that, it's like the loudest, most powerful thing in the world. And it's so intimidating. And then when you find out, it's just like that. You're just like, wow, I, you know, I could be that, you know, powerful and moving, you know, Mm -hmm. that easily. It's, it's, uh, you know, I think that um, before you make music for the first time, it kind of seems like voodoo. You know, whenever you see other people doing it, you're just like, wow, how are you doing that? And then whenever you kind of start to unravel, 
how it works, you start to kind of feel like you have the ability to like kind of wield that power. So, um, some of us, I still feel like, how are you doing that? <laughs> well, sometimes I still feel that with, that way with people yeah, too, no but kidding. I feel like I've unraveled a, a little bit of it, yeah. you know? There's, there's, a, it's, it's a, there's no language barrier anymore. You know, you go from a complete voodoo being, you don't know any of the language or the, the things that are being said. And then once you get some type of feel for music or not even really an education, I don't think it has to be an education, just learn it a little bit. You can at least kind of yeah. dip. It's like me being able to say hola. And uh, that's about it when it comes to, you know, yeah. that language. But, you well, know, that's literally I, I can true, recognize though. the language when I hear it spoken. Same thing with music. I mean, I think it, you can at least kind of recognize what's happening sometimes yeah. once you kind of dip your toe in a little bit. Six people with six first languages can sit in the same room and mm-hmm. jam. Yeah, yeah, no yeah truly. So, where when did you guys start uh, start messing around playing with bands, playing with other people, and playing for the public? Um, so I guess I'll start. Um, so actually, me and my brother starting playing and taking lessons at the same time. We kind of started putting, you know, learning the same songs together, like mm-hmm. at our separate lessons, and then bringing them back home and hearing how the bass line interacts with like the guitar parts, and we'd just be like. Whew. wow and so really all we needed was drums at that point but um so within about like six months to a year after taking lessons that's so i was about 14 15 i think i was 15 when i started playing in like my first band so really all through high school me and my brother played in bands together um and it was all just kind of cover band stuff you know really still at that age you're getting yeah that's that's a lot of uh experience to be playing in bands at that age because you're learning you don't learn much you learn plenty about music but being in your first band is an experience and when you're playing covers it it better sound like the cover at least a little bit yeah yeah Mm -hmm. if you're playing your own stuff it can sound like crap nobody knows maybe that's what (laughs) it's supposed to sound like yeah how about you colin uh, I kind of had a significantly different experience. I also had a little brother who picked up an instrument, but he didn't stick with it long enough to uh, to ever have bands or anything. Uh, and he was four years younger than me, so it would have taken a while before we could have played on the same stage anyway. But there was a there was a little scene around my high school. I'm from Corridan, Indiana, and believe it or not, Corridan has at some point had a music scene. They did back whenever I was in um, high school, but it was all... Uh, it was all original bands, which um, to some people, uh, that's surprising. Yeah. Um, I actually didn't know until I was about 20, 21, that like it was legal to be in a cover <laughs> band. I didn't know that you could do that. I, I thought that if you went out like in public and tried to get people to pay you to play stuff you didn't write, you would get in trouble. So, so you started writing your own songs fairly early. Out of necessities. Like, dude, I really yeah. like yeah. music, but I don't want to get sued. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, for real. Like, um, you know, that was the first time I had gone... Well, my parents brought me to see a couple bands. Um, like, you know, they show do the free concert series around Derby and stuff oh, yeah. like that. But the other... The first time I, like, voluntarily went to my own shows um, was in Corden, Indiana. It was all, like, guys from high school and they all had written all their own songs and you might, like, hear one cover all night and um and i thought that was normal um that was kind of the the uh normal for me and so uh i i pretty quickly became acclimated to like really weird shit because you know like a bu- like you know a bunch of like teenagers and early 20 somethings like trying to say something that's never been said before mm-hmm. <laughs> you know they uh they uh th- there's there's a lot of weird stuff that happens in that circle and i feel like that was like a super like impactful time in my life like you know because uh the cover band scene like you said you know it better sound like the song like yeah. you know there's kind of right and wrong answers and it's and it's very easy to determine like who's good and who's bad mm-hmm. you know it's kind it's it's kind of a uh it's almost a sport like approach to being to playing music yeah. um hmm. because yeah. because there's like a you know there's a lot more clear answers about when you're doing a good job uh versus like 
we had, you know, we I play at these shows where like the first band would be like a comedy act, and then the second band would be like this two acoustic guitar guys singing emo stuff, and then the next band would be like <laughs> the heaviest death metal band you've ever heard, and then the next band would sound like the Bare Naked Ladies, <laughs> like and sounds like, pretty cool. I was gonna say it sounds yeah. like it yeah. sounds like the music scene around here. Honestly, man, where did yeah. these shows take place? Uh, well. We were under 21, so we, <laughs> so we really just had to take whatever room would, like, allow us to have it. So there was a place outside of town called the Eagles Lodge uh, that you could rent out. But in lieu of that, because it was a little cost prohibitive for teenagers, yeah. I forget what it was. It was like 100 bucks to rent it out or something like that. But there was a place that was even cheaper to rent out was they had a party room at the local uh, mini golf place in Corydon. And we would, like... <laughs> ask if we could rent it after hours and they would let us. And so it was like this like kids birthday party room or whatever, you know. It became a a 21 or under 21 nightclub, man. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's awesome. And uh, Ingenuity. Yeah, it was dope. And they had a a, like soda machine up there too. So we'd like recoup the cost by like selling styrofoam (laughs) cups or whatever. And uh, yeah, we had to bring... We had to bring like, like one guy in the whole scene. Like his dad had like a PA, and so like we would like the entire, the entire music scene was operating on this one dude's dad's PA, and like, that guy's in everybody's band. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He, <laughs> he was in like nineteen bands. Of course he is. He's got the PA, dude. That is yeah. part of it. He's the worst musician in the city, but he's got the PA. You you know this guy. I do know this guy. <laughs> That is exactly the situation. Why do you think we all have... I have a PA. (laughs) We like to be useful. I'm telling you, man. Job security. (laughs) Oh, gosh. So so when did did you guys meet and start playing music together? So um, it really started... um, So my brother was my bass player forever. And he was like, in my opinion, the best bass player. (laughs) Sorry, Colin. (laughs) But like, so he stopped playing. He got kind of burnt out. I mean, we did the original thing for, you know, or not the original. We did the cover band type of thing for quite a while. And it, you know, he never quite broke into the original kind of stuff. And he just kind of got burnt out real quick. And I was ready to like go and do some of my own stuff, my own writing. And so I was trying to find a band and I, was, and I, we had a class together. We never talked though, but we were in the same class at um, IU Southeast. So I knew he played bass. So I was like, hey, maybe I'll send him a message. And so really that's why Colin plays. That's kind of how we met was my brother stopped playing. I needed a bass player. <laughs> and then thankfully you knew a guy. Cause you know how hard yeah. it is to find a good bass player. <laughs> when, did, when did you switch to bass, Colin? Uh, when I was 18. Okay. Um, because the bands needed bass players? Well, th- yeah, that was actually the reason. That was mm-hmm. the actual reason why I did it was because I was just like, well, every time we try to start a band, like it's four guitar players all looking at each other like, okay, so who's going to step to down to bass? Like that's, that's totally <laughs> that's the attitude. Feel, step you down. Have. Yeah, exactly. Step down. Well, and, My brother but, would not approve of what you're saying. Well, <laughs> he mean, was like, I choose bass because it's the greatest. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, but I mean, that was it. I was just like, ah, somebody better buy a bass and a bass amp and like actually be practiced at this thing. So I was just like, okay, I'll do it. Fine. <laughs> but um, but uh, pretty instantly, like the instrument clicked with me, like way better than guitar ever did. It's just like, no, nah, oh, wow. This is this has been the part of music I've been listening to all along. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like yeah. as it turns out, like I was, I was kind of off my instrument playing guitar in the first place. It never really, like I enjoy playing guitar and I, I play guitar like, pretty frequently but like you know uh i switched to bass and it was just like boom like just made sense are you and, a good dancer uh i yeah you know that's subjective Great. Great. <laughs> that is subjective um but i think i am a fine enough dancer <laughs> it's very important you have to kind of be a good dancer to be a good bass uh, that's player. what i was yeah. thinking you know you gotta have that groove you know yeah especially you know you play some pretty melodic bass lines so yeah, well, I still think my instrument's the drums, but I'm just no good at them. <laughs> <laughs> They're the most fun, probably. They are. They are. We're soulmates. <laughs> we just can't get that spot. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> so, Kendra, sure. were you were you writing during your cover years? 
Um, not a whole lot. I was actually kind of terrified of it for a long time because mm-hmm. I, the way I learned guitar really was kind of replicating, you know, like play it exactly as it sounds. Oh, yeah. So I got locked into that for a long time. And, um, you know, I had some people coming to me and talk to me about like, Hey, you should start writing like early. Cause I wish I would have, and you know, things like that. And so eventually I was like, okay, I'm going to try this. And it was, it took a while. Um, and it really took going out to open mics and seeing other people do it and see other people play their song that they wrote themselves right here. And mm-hmm. and so eventually I was like, okay, maybe I'll try. All right, maybe I can do it. They did, you know. So I went into like an acoustic phase for a while because um, my this was kind of a little bit before I, I got in contact. Brothers done right now? Brothers yeah, a little right, before, before calling a little bit. So I was trying to figure Let's that see, out. If you will. BC. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Oh my God. So, uh, yeah, I was kind of trying to figure that out and I didn't have a band. So I was acoustically writing a lot of stuff. But my dream was to go back to electric and it eventually happened. So once I found Colin. And uh, yeah, for a long time, we were just playing in bands together. We're just really good friends. Like, just hanging out like, hey, I have this riff, let's jam or, and stuff. So, um, yeah. So when were you writing when, before like before your brother decided he didn't want to play, were you, were you writing already? Or was it something that during that gap you started writing? And then do you think, well, answer that first. Did you start writing in the gap where your brother stopped playing and you were on your, by, your, by yourself? Um, well, our band kind of, tried to write we we actually released an ep but he uh, we, we it wasn't you know we all didn't enjoy the experience as a band <laughs> and then everybody went off to college and so the band kind of broke up and that's kind of when my brother stopped because he he didn't have a band either you know and mm-hmm. he wasn't really trying to look for that whereas i was so so and then the second question is do you think that that gap where you did have an acoustic guitar and you did have that little bit of a um period in your life do you think that that changed your writing or made you better as a writer because it gave you a different style that you were dabbling in? Um, it definitely changed uh, for sure because I kind of I kind of went into I almost had like a singer songwritery phase um, and uh, but it was getting a little bit too country for me or people <laughs> thought I guess because I might have a slight accent I don't notice but it might <laughs> sound to other people like recorded like like country-ish and that's not what I wanted to do yeah and I was like, oh no, I got to break out of this acoustic phase. I got to get back to where, where it all started. <laughs> so, because really, I, I just love playing electric. Um, and, you know, acoustic's a little harder to, you know, <clears throat> do, you know, and I love using effects and different things too. And like, so, uh, um, but yeah, it did. I think it really did change my sound a little bit. Like I started with being influenced by Metallica and over time it went into like Zeppelin and then it went softer, went more new until like I was really into Grace Potter and Nocturnals okay. for a while. Um, and just it kind of went on to a more indie rock type of type of thing. So, um, so yeah. All right. So when I was listening, <laughs> I was like, all right, this is... It, it, at some point, I went. It sounds like the '60s '60s music is is making love to like '80s music with some other influences in it. It's so I could not put my finger on Ural's music. Like I couldn't. There, you know, a lot of times you can go, "This is what this is." There wasn't a lot of that, which I love. I love that. I, I find it super interesting. Oh yeah, and kind of hearing the influences, they're all over the place, which is cool. Which kind of lends itself to writing all kinds of different stuff. Yeah. So, at, at what point did you guys decide, hey, hey, let's uh, let's do our own thing here? Um. Yeah, I saw you look at me. I have my peripheral vision. I was just like, okay, it's my turn to answer. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man, you're the long one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Somehow, I don't feel like I have. <laughs> it's good. But, it's um, good. But yeah. Um, uh, I don't remember uh, at what point in the timeline we got together and jammed, but I, I, the, the the point at which I remember that we were going to like have the kind of chemistry that was necessary to um, musically collaborate is um, I went over to her house once. She invited me over to her house to jam. It was like the first time we ever jammed. And you know how you, like when you're jamming with somebody you've never jammed with, it's just like, 
what's going to happen here. Com- complete skepticism. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause you know, they could be the best musician in the world and you could be the second best musician in the world, I guess. And it still might not work, you mm-hmm. know, like, so it's always kind of weird whenever you're first approaching somebody. And, um, so we get out our instruments, put them on, um, and, uh, just kind of warming up and stuff. I forget what it is. I played some, some Rush song or whatever. And she was like, Oh, Rush. Cool. I, uh, I really like Rush. Uh, what, there's this one Rush song I really like. Uh, I can't remember the name of it. And I'm just like going through in my head, like which, which one is Tom Sawyer, Limelight, one of those. And she's like, uh, leave that thing alone. I was like, what? <laughs> Leave that, like, the weird random B-side from the weird random album. And she was like, yeah, like, it goes like this. And it just happened to be also be a song I knew every note of. So, like, that—that that is, like, the first thing we jammed on was the most weird, random, obscure <laughs> Rush song that we both just happened to know. Definitely good song. So, sign. Colin, um, the first thing he's thinking is, number one, I found a female that likes Rush. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the first one. Yeah, that's that's the, the weird one. one. <laughs> I saw Rush three times and I don't think I think I saw like two women <laughs> the whole time. And I wonder I, why that is. Me too. I, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's great. I love Rush. <laughs> yeah, so that was I mean that was cool because that was like uh one of my favorite bands and one of the things that like you know you like a lot of bands. But some of them ne- don't necessarily mix with your own ability to create music. Like, I love a lot of metal, but I don't play metal. Mm-hmm. You know, I-, I love a lot of punk rock, but I don't really play punk rock either. Um, but, uh, but you know, I like Rush a lot. And, um, and that is a really, like, that's probably the one, like, unifying thing whenever I listen to our music that I think sticks out. That's real obvious. Well, when you say is, that, it makes sense. It's Rush. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah. okay. I'll tell you what, let's listen to a song before we yeah. talk more about Villamere. Tell let's us about uh tell us about hypochondriac. Uh okay. Uh that's one of them that I wrote um most of the words to. She usually writes she writes all the vocal melodies and sometimes I'll just apply the words to that. But um that uh is one of the few cut and dry lyrics I've ever written. Usually I just write random shit. You know, just because you gotta have words, right? Yeah. But that one is—it's uh, about what it's titled. Um, I have like super bad health anxiety. I'm one of those people that's just like you know, like my eye hurts and I think I have eye cancer and I'm gonna die. <laughs> and like, and every day you wake up and you think of another thing. Oh yeah. No, no. <laughs> We're safe. <laughs> but no, that is kind of the funny thing is like, uh, so we wrote this song about my health anxiety and um, finished it and recorded it and went to put it out. And like the moment we were ready to pull, put it out, the sh- first shutdown happened. And I was like, fuck, somebody's going to think. <laughs> think it's a COVID song. Yeah, exactly. Somebody, so I had to write up this big long thing to post along with it. It's just like, hey guys, I wrote this song a year ago. And it has nothing to do with it. Like, don't shoot me, please. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not trying. So this song has nothing to do with COVID-19. By the way, I got a cough and I think I got COVID. <laughs> In the same post. <laughs> All right, let's check it out. Hypochondria.
love it. Man, that is so I cool. I love it. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I noticed today, I, I listened to a lot of you guys today, and it's hard to listen with your eyes open. I know. feel like you need to close your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Just vibe a little bit. Yeah, I love it. And you know, the, the song is great, but I got to point out too, I, I I was, I was listening to in headphones today. The mix is great mix is too. Awesome. Uh, it's, oh, cool! This sounds uh, sounds great. Mm-hmm. That was uh, shout out Quentin Caster. Yeah, that was mixed by our buddy Quentin Caster. Um, I don't know if you, either of y'all know Gavin Caster. He used to work over oh, yeah. it. Yeah, uh, okay. that's his son. Okay. Um, super cool dude. Super incredibly good at everything. And one of those things happens to be mixing. So uh, wow. I actually hit him up about like tips for mixing. And, like, he came over to show me, like, some stuff. And then, like, he got real carried away. <laughs> just, like, finished mixing the song. I was just like, cool. Can you do that ten more times? <laughs> he did a great job. Yeah, he did. He killed it. Yeah, yeah man. It's, everything sits really well. And vocals. I love being able to hear vocals. No complete over reverb. Yeah. All that. Yeah. It's awesome. And there's obviously a drummer in there that we're missing tonight. Who Who is that? Well, the drummer on that recording is our friend Jordan Hubbard, uh, who played with us on that record. But we got a different guy on drums these days. Um, we got a guy named Ethan Evans playing drums with us. We were hoping he'd make it out here tonight, but, you know, work and stuff. Yeah. He, he's, you know, also being a musician, like his schedule is also impossible. Insane. <laughs> yeah. It's always the drummer's. You know, I guess we ought to tell listeners that that haven't made the connection yet and aren't familiar with you guys that you're a husband and wife team. Oh yeah, it makes, yep. it makes uh, scheduling <laughs> yeah. very as, easy, as easy gotta, as it possibly can. Be. I was hoping they picked that up in the intro, man. Yeah, well, yeah. I guess it could be a brother and sister. You know, no, she yeah. said brother quit playing bass. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. You you would have had to put the pieces together. It wasn't yeah. explicitly that's a lot. stated. That's a lot of inferring, man. It's a, yeah, I guess you're right. All right, I guess you're right. <laughs> yeah. So when did you guys um, when did you guys put this EP out? Uh, this is actually a pretty long release. Um, we called it a double album, but it's more like an album and a half. Because it's like 70 minutes long. We just kind of got carried away. Um, I think we... we When did we put it out? We so you got Push and Pull Part 1 and Push and Pull Part 2. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, Part 1 came out, I believe, April t- uh, of 2020. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. so. And it was then, like, right when COVID was hitting right there in, like, February, March, where we decided to split it into two mm-hmm. because we just... I don't know. It just seemed like maybe, you know, if, you know, by like September, August, or probably September or October, we might be able to do like a release. You know, we didn't know mm-hmm. how long anything would be. So yeah. we're like, okay, let's put half of it out now, half of it out later, and then do a big like physical release, yeah. like party and stuff. So, so yeah. Did um, you get to do that? We did at an outdoor venue um, called the Enchanted Forest in New Albany. Amazing. Um, but, you know, it was also like very socially distanced, uh, minimal. It was, uh, it was uh, I believe... It wasn't were, a big party. It wasn't a big yeah, party. Yeah, it no. was... It couldn't be a big party, unfortunately, because the restrictions were pretty yeah, strong back then. Yeah, they restricted the amount of people who could be present. But I bet everyone there were very excited to be there. <laughs> no kidding. Well, that that point was too. actually a bizarre um, circumstance because, uh, so like we said, our buddy Quentin Caster um, recorded, or, or he didn't record it with us, he mixed it with us and, and mastered it and everything. And so as a result, he was the only other person in the world who had listened to the album six trillion times before it was even <laughs> released. And um, Jordan ended up last minute having an emergency and he couldn't make it to the show. And we were like, oh, shit. Because it's like, like he said, it's kind of weird music. It's all over the place. You can't just be like, hey, can you come to our gig and, you know, play 4-4 over, you know, 10 different songs or whatever. Like, he kind of had to know what was coming. So, like, the only other guy on earth who even knew that these songs existed or how how they went was Quentin. And we were just like, hey, Quentin, so you can play the drums, right? And as it turns out, he could. He, he played drums very, very well. And uh, <laughs> well, He does everything. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and he knew our songs like the back of his hand at that point. So, he was like, yeah, okay, cool. 
Um, yeah, like 24-hour notice. That's we had a crazy him. call. Yeah. We practiced all like oh. night and then the next day and then we went and did the show. Yeah. Oh. So bizarre. <laughs> this guy sounds like he's superhuman. Maybe we need to have He's uh, pretty crazy. Quentin over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I, I think your first EP is super cool too. Oh, thank you. Um, that one was done entirely different. That was... <laughs> it was actually before we had a drummer and... We were transitioning from acoustic into electric and um, we, yeah, we didn't have a drummer, but we we're like, let's go for it anyways. Let's record this stuff. And it's actually all cajon and acoustic like percussion instruments all layered together. Oh, cool. So, yeah. So that was me playing cajon and then him playing all the cymbal tracks like all separately, <laughs> like all the cymbal swells. And then I did a bunch of shakers and tambourines and Man, it was it was kind of a nightmare, like recording really? that. Yeah, man. Layer after layer yeah. after layer yeah. after layer. Oh, yeah. Like, I'd never do it. We'd never do that again. But it was cool what we were able to do with just ourselves. 100% mm-hmm. only us working on it. And it was the very first recording we both ever, like, did ourselves. So, it was a huge learning experience. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I can imagine. So, when you guys did start doing Villa Mirror music, <laughs> did were these songs that... Like Colin, had you brought these in fairly, fairly worked up and kind of had this sound, or did this sound come as you guys were working together? But what what do you attribute your sound to, your style? It was almost dead up fifty fifty. Like we both like here's a here's a little riff idea. Like we just kind of jam and come up with little things, or we'd have like some riff we both were jamming on when we were playing together. Like before, like our one of our first couple jams together, we came out with this riff and he was like, oh my gosh, I actually wrote something really similar. And then it just, yeah, (laughs) like um, the song Up to Something on our EP, our first EP, that song actually (laughs) was something we we jammed together, like our first couple of jams that we were ever like hanging Mm. out. So yeah, it almost just instantly was just like 50-50, like writing, like we just, and that's something I was kind of scared of when we started, when we got together, like in a relationship, I was like, how are how is this going to work writing are we going to actually like cuz we never really wrote wrote completed anything before we were together like mm. in a relationship so i was kind of afraid like is this how are we going to work together with a writing type of yeah so it was kind of scary at first but then it just it it just worked we just had to do it we just had to like sit down and try to write something and figure and it, it out yeah and it and it worked bet like just i was really surprised because um well anything that i would write usually i'd be like ah, like over time, I think it sucks. Like I hate this. I don't want to show anybody. But anytime we write together, I'd be like, "This is so cool." Like, mm. That's so. interesting because you do that. You know, relationships are intimate and all, but writing <laughs> songs together seriously is like that's your inner stuff. That's, yeah, that's all the. Yeah, that could be a daunting task. I'm still shy about songs. Like I'd be yeah. like, Colin, I have this idea, but I don't want to show you. I don't want to sing it. Don't look at me. <laughs> <laughs> like seriously. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, what was the? When did the first EP come out? Um, that was 2018. Was it? Okay. You can hear and listen to the EPs how you guys kind of evolved. I mean, do you feel that in yourself? Oh yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. We've we've come a, a really long way. I can I can see like marked differences in like our thinking whenever I look at like what we wrote on that first EP, and then the second one, and then since and how far we've come since then. It really is like um, you kind of start to understand like every band who you know their first two albums are always like the real weird ones, because like it takes a while to uh, figure out how to create. Uh, collaboratively with any person you know even Mm -hmm. if you've been creating collaboratively for a long time uh, each new person is like a new whole uh, you have to learn how to do it again all over again do you typically write separately and then come together and finish songs or it's really random like I mean sometimes we'll just write something together but a lot of times we'll also you know I'll come up with something separate when I'm just like at home working but like if I'm working from home sometimes I'll pick up my guitar and I'll just be like hey Colin I came up with this thing and I'll send him like a voice memo that I came up with and uh or like he'll write lyrics in his phone or something or sometimes he'll just like bring this amalgamation of words and I'll just kind of piece them around and like all right here's how I want the melody to go let me just kind of move these around a little bit I gotta ask do you have couple spats about music? 
in writing. Oh yeah, we fight about <laughs> the time signature, the the, the tempo, <laughs> tempos, the, the tempo. We got. She wants to drag everything. She wants every song to sound like it's stone. No, I don't. <laughs> so yeah, it's kind of awkward with like the the third person in the band, like the the drummer always kind of has to be like, "Hey guys, it's okay. You stay out of this." He tries not to make eye contact. Always yeah. does this. <laughs> well, let's listen to another song, and then when we come back, we'll have you guys tell our listeners where they can find you on the socials and internet and all those things. So tell us about Push and Pull. Um, that is one we almost almost never play live because we overproduced it. <laughs> we overdid it. We occasionally on the, play on it. the recording, and uh, and now our expectations for it are too high. And <laughs> don't have enough three arms. Three people can't do it. Don't have <laughs> enough arms. Don't have enough mouths. It's just that. Uh, yeah, we've occasionally <laughs> brought it out and like brought some friends up on stage and like played the full like with all the all the backup vocals and everything, but. Um, this is a song that uh, I guess I kind of came up with a melody and was just addicted to the melody. And uh, I think I came up with the words maybe too. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, I don't really know what else to say about it. It kind of speaks for itself, I think. It's mm-hmm. just a... Let's check it out. Turn it off. Oh my gosh. That song stinks of somebody in the band just got their first delay pedal. <laughs> I love so it. Obvious. I have had a delay pedal for a long time. Thank you. I know, I but it. I got my delay pedal. I was like, oh. we gotta do weird stuff. <laughs> oh, oh the, yeah. ca- the carbon copy. Double yes. delay. Yep. Oh yeah. Oh. We basically, it. we basically were, um, we had a both, like we had basically like just a couple swirl guitar tracks and I would play a chord or play a couple things and he'd have to be like down twisting all the knobs or like <laughs> I would be twisting the fuzz and he'd be twisting the the carbon copy to get it to so oh it's fun. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, yeah your song. They are fun. They're uh, fun, and like Neil said earlier, very interesting, and yeah, it's just cool stuff you do. I love it. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Haven't heard haven't heard one of your songs I haven't liked. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Wow, thanks. Seriously, <laughs> I always figure it's going to be kind of a hard thing to like on the first listen because we definitely uh, we're definitely coming from a diff- bunch of different places at once. Like we have no ability to say no to a musical idea. Mm. So we're having trouble developing like one solid idea of like, what does that band sound Dude, like? It's, it's like, it's better than not having the ability to say yes to a new idea. Well, you know, true. you're leaving yourself with a good problem because it doesn't limit you from doing new stuff, trying anything. And yeah, like Brad said, man, uh, from everything we've heard, we love it. I love it. I love the yep. feel of it. I love like, Thank you. (laughs) It's. I feel like it's um, this musical project. Like since we started it, like me and Colin together, I I came from previously a place of play, the song perfect, repeat. You know, do this robotic kind of, Mm. you know, perform everything perfect. Do like the super um, perfectionistic way, and it kind of like stifled a lot of creativity for so long. And then different musicians I'd played with in previous bands that were so, you know, like really kind of hard to, you know, want to be creative. And mm-hmm. ever since Colin and I started writing together, it's like suddenly there's this lim- limitless feeling of I can just play and just make sounds and do whatever. And it's like a big abstract painting, like mm-hmm. tying it to visual arts. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like there's not a wrong answer. Whereas previous bands and other projects have been in, it's, you know, don't, you know, it's like walking on eggshells in some groups, you know. Well, maybe those uh, previous bands were trying to create a sound as to where you're all just trying to create art. Yeah. That, that might. might be. Are, are you a visual artist also? Yes, I do. Um, I'm actually a graphic designer um, okay. on my day job, but, um, and I also have always done like painting and, and drawing and all of the album art and single art um, is I do that I do it a physical oh, okay. drawing. Cool. So yeah. all three of the the covers, I guess the album covers for this latest release too. Those were all um, pencil drawings, and then I we scanned them into Photoshop, and I did a digital painting over top of it. Oh, all that's and, awesome! Yeah, so that's awesome. Uh, so yeah, I do all the artwork as well. <laughs> do you cla- would you classify yourself as a perfectionist? Yeah, but I've I've been trying to break it for a while to where I like it, it's really a process though like l- like recognizing it, recognizing what I'm doing in my head and then like saying stop. It's fine, you know, let go of that. You can just yeah. you know, play or just sing or just draw and don't be afraid of making the first mark or the first sound, you know. Yeah, I can relate. Mm. Mm. It's hard though because <laughs> like, I it's always in there, you know. Yeah. So for our listeners, I'm sure we're going to have uh, some listeners that definitely want to become fans. Um, where can they find you on the socials, find your music, all those things? The usual ones. <laughs> for the most part, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I don't think we're on TikTok, but other than that, like, you know, we got Facebook and Instagram for all the social media stuff. And then uh, Spotify. Um, I'm a Bandcamp junkie. So I always tell people to go to Bandcamp just because I love it and believe in it. Um, but we're also on all the other ones. Uh, iTunes, Google Music, Amazon iTunes, Music. Amazon Music, all that stuff. Um, Bandcamp's a little better for the artist, right? Absolutely. Yeah, it's a little better for the artist and there's just like absolutely no barrier to putting whatever the fuck you want on there. You can just be <laughs> like, you can... It's free, right? Yeah, you can make any sound into a microphone and just be like, well, this is art now and like post it. (laughs) And then there you go. Like if somebody believes in it, they can listen to it and support it. So I'm a big fan of that. But uh, I know that Spotify is a a lot sleeker, a lot, uh, you know, it, it listens to what you're listening to and finds you suggestions and stuff. And that's really cool and stuff, but. But is it true if someone wants to buy music and support the artist as much as they can, is Bandcamp Band a place man. to go? It's yeah. 100%, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, they give you almost 100%. Yeah, almost 100%. The, the amount they take is negligible compared to the amount that everywhere else takes. So, um, but yeah, um, the usual places. The main thing is getting people to spell the name right. You know, it's, <laughs> we really did not think that part out. But <laughs> that, and that's actually, I don't know if it's, if everybody knows this or not, I should probably explain, but 
Um, my maiden name's Villager and Lemure, so Villa Mure. That's kind of where it came from. Okay. Yeah. So. I thought you were the Lemures of the Ville. And then, okay, Villa Mure. No, actually. <laughs> it's two words V I L L A M U R E. That's it. That's it. Yeah. That's how you find it. Is that what you are on Instagram? And Yep. And, and luckily, uh, there isn't another one. You know? <laughs> Everyone keeps telling us we need to be on TikTok also. We, we made, are, man. I just made one earlier. Yeah, we've made one, but I think we've got three followers or four. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, here's the, here's the kicker. I just found out before you all got here, because I made a little one coming into the studio, that if you post on TikTok, you can instantly, it takes you to Instagram. And that's where we always post anyway. And then Instagram takes nice. us to everywhere else. So it's almost done for us not to at so, this point. So are, we, even though. so we are now TikTokers. No, I told Neil though if we, if we want to get any followers, he's gonna to have to dance. You do have to dance. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not a bass player, man. I do not have the rhythm you do. <laughs> and you already told us you're not a very good drummer, so <laughs> that all I got right there. <laughs> all right, well, we're gonna go out. Well, first of all, we uh, really appreciate you guys spending yeah, the last hour or so talking to it, talking yeah. with us. Got to talk about this song though because it's so. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Yes. We're going to go out with Don't Give It a Name. All right, sick. Yeah, that's uh, that's usually a, a show opener for us. All we right. usually like to come out swinging and then bore them the rest of the way. Out. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> so tell us about this one. How did it come about? Uh, fragmentedly, like they usually yeah. do, as you can, as you can tell it, as you could probably tell, like four different song I ideas went yeah. into one that way. But uh, I, I don't know. I know that she wrote part of it in her parents' basement while I was upstairs playing video games with her brother. Yep. <laughs> um, I do remember that much. And then the rest, I, man, I don't know. This, that one came together like kind of quickly. It was a couple riffs that I just loved and I just never knew what where to place them. And then we were like, you know, this is going to be like a big overture song for the album almost. We kind of called it like overture for a long time. And we both really love like instrumental, like things, you know, we love Rush and we love things that change a Movements. lot. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. It just, we kind of were like, you know what, this is what the song's going to do. We're going to go for it. And, um, there's some more meaning to it. Um, the, the whole name, don't give it a name. Yeah, that, well, she wrote all the words, and then I named the song. We do dumb shit like that sometimes. <laughs> like, I'm still not. I, I still haven't actually ever asked her what the song is actually about, and I don't even know if she knows. <laughs> but, um, but uh, I don't know. I re I read the lyrics of the song, and uh, there was a number of things that um that I was thinking about at the time. And I remember that don't give it a name is a phrase I said to our friend, Nick Hill. You might, you know him from Force and the Photons. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. He, was, he okay. was the guitar player. Okay, yep. Yeah. And uh, he he's <laughs> he's the coolest dude in the world. And uh, we, we've got like a, we talk to him pretty regularly. And um, I forget what it was. He was calling something out about our interpersonal dynamic. And he was just like, he was just being way too meta about our conversation. <laughs> and I was just like, stop, Nick, don't give it a name. <laughs> and, uh, and I don't know, because what I had got out of the song was something about, um, you know, she, she mentions the grand illusion, which is kind of a little reference to the song Sticks. that it was inspired by, by Sticks. Um, and uh, so, some, something to me, uh, her lyrics it hit me in a place about, um, you know, the things, the, the special things that you like don't notice or don't um, pay attention to. And they're there and they're special because you don't notice them and don't pay attention to them. Mm. Um, whereas like in psychology, they say, you know, whenever you want to destroy something, um, you know, whenever you need to overcome something, you have to give it a name. And so it's like kind of the exact opposite of that. So, um, so it's one of those, I don't know, that, that's what I got out of the song. And I asked her if we could call it that. And I think I had another title that I, that I had run by her and that she turned down. But I ran that title by her and she was like, yeah, hey, we can call it that. And then because like, like she said, we were referring to it as just album overture. Dot JPEG, <laughs> and, uh, 
And uh, so we had we had to give it a name, <laughs> but, but we gave it that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, we'll check it out. Don't give it a name. Thank you guys again. Yeah, thank you. Yes.